Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We welcome you to this evening's Darshan program. We shall be reading from the Bhagavad Gita as it is. The Bhagavad Gita is the literal record of God's spoken words. Bhagavad means uh, of God, Bhagavad, and Gita means song. So when God speaks, whatever he says, it, it comes out as a song and as poetry. This book is important for us. Any machinery or equipment or device will come with a manual that explains how to use it. So this world also comes with a manual by, from the manufacturer, and, and that is the Bhagavad Gita. So it's very important for us to know how to live in this world. It's a manual how to, uh, yeah, how, how to use the world, if you will, and how, how to use the bodies that we have been given, and how to live in harmony with the plan of the divine. So, the Bhagavad Gita is the basic textbook of yoga. It discusses various kinds of yoga, karma yoga, uh, the yo yoga, yes, I should explain yoga. Yoga literally means to connect or to link. It's like we have the English word yoke, like to yoke two oxen to the cart. That comes from the word yoga. So yoga means to uh, connect with God. And there are different methods of yoga uh, mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita. So what is karma yoga? The yoga of action. One is jnana yoga, the yoga of knowledge. One is Let's say Astanga Yoga, which is the mystic yoga system. And then the ultimate is Bhakti Yoga, which is the yoga of devotion. So, because the ultimate goal is Bhakti Yoga, all the different types of yoga are actually meant to bring us to that stage. They are compared to steps on a, on, on a stairway. And, and the, the ultimate is, is bhakti yoga, and the, the others are steps on the way to bhakti yoga. The verse, so every verse really points to bhakti yoga, but the verse I will read to today is from a chapter, the chapter is called Karma Yoga, but you'll see that this verse really um, it is meant to point us towards Bhakti. So it's a tradition before reading these sacred texts to um, repeat a short mantra. Uh, to in, invoke, invoke 
good fortune and mercy. So please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya This is Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 3, Text 10. Please repeat. Saha. Saha. Yogya. Yogya. Praja. Praja. Shristava, Shristava, Pura, Pura, Uvacha, Uvacha, Prajapati, Prajapati, Anena, Anena, Prasavishyadvam, Prasavishyadvam, Esha, Esha, Va, Va, Astu, Astu. Ishta, Ishta, Kama, Kama, Duk, Duk. So I'll, I'll recite the Sanskrit verse twice. Uh, if you can follow, you can join me the second time. Sahayagya Prajashristva, Sahayagya Prajashristva. Uravacha Prajapati Uravacha Prajapati Anena Prasavishyadvam Anena Prasavishyadvam Eshavos Vishtakamaduk Eshavos Vishtakamaduk Very good. In the beginning of creation, the Lord of all creatures sent forth generations of men and demigods. Along with sacrifices for Vishnu, and blessed them by saying, <clears throat> Be thou happy by this yagya sacrifice, because its performance will bestow upon you everything desirable for living happily and achieving liberation. Please repeat. In the beginning of creation, In the, beginning of creation the Lord of all creatures, the Lord of all creatures Sent forth generations of men and demigods. Sent forth generations of men and demigods. Along with sacrifices for Vishnu. Along with sacrifices for Vishnu. And blessed them. And blessed them. By saying. By saying. Be thou happy by this yagya. Be thou happy by this yagya. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Because its performance, because its performance will bestow upon you, will bestow upon you everything desirable. Everything desirable. For living happily. For living happily. And achieving liberation. And achieving liberation. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. <coughs> The material creation by the Lord of all creatures, Vishnu. Now, Vishnu is another name for Krishna. So the material creation by the Lord of all creatures, Vishnu, is a chance offered to the conditioned souls 
to come back home back to God again. All living entities within the material creation are conditioned by material nature because of their forgetfulness of their relationship to Vishnu or Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Vedic principles are to help us understand this eternal relation. As it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that the purpose of the Vedas is to understand Him. In the Vedic hymns it is said, Patim Vishvasyat Meshwaram. Therefore, the Lord of the living entities is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu. In the Srimad Bhagavatam also, 2.4.20, Srila Shukadeva Goswami describes the Lord as Pati in so many ways. Pati means Lord or Protector. Shriya Patir Yadya Patir Prajapatir Niyam Patir Loka Patir Dara Patir Patir Gatis Chandaka Vrishni Satvatam the Prajapati is Lord Vishnu, and he is the Lord of all creatures, all worlds and all beauties, and the protector of everyone. The Lord created this material world to enable the conditioned souls to learn how to perform yajna, sacrifices for the satisfaction of Vishnu, so that while in the material world they can live very comfortably without anxiety. And after finishing the present material body, they can enter into the kingdom of God. That is the whole program for the conditioned soul. By performance of yajna or sacrifice, the conditioned souls gradually become Krishna conscious and become godly in all respects. In the present age of Kali, the Sankirtan Yajna, the chanting of the names of God, is recommended by the Vedic scriptures. And this transcendental system was introduced by Lord Chaitanya for the deliverance of all men in this age. Sankirtan Yajna and Krishna Consciousness <coughs> go well together. Lord Krishna in his devotional form as Lord Chaitanya is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.32 as follows with special reference to the Sankirtan Yoga. So this Lord Chaitanya is actually Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But Krishna thought that in, in the present age, it's very difficult for people 
to understand philosophy without an example. Sometimes it is said example is more important than precept. So Krishna came in this age just 500 years ago as a devotee to show us by his example how to be devotees, how to follow the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, or in other words, how to live happily in this life and at the end of this life uh, become liberated from uh, the cycle of birth and death and go back <coughs> home, back to Godhead. So Lord Chaitanya is very important. Uh, I'm sure there is. Uh, right, right there, second chair. Oh, yeah, Guru Maharaj. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Here. You see, his, his hands are upraised. He's dancing. Singing and dancing. So, With that little background, I'll, I'll reread that sentence. In the age of Kali, the present age, the Sankirtan Yajna, the chanting of the names of God, is recommended by the Vedic scriptures. And this transcendental system was introduced by Lord Chaitanya for the deliverance of all people, men, says people in this age. Sankirtan Yagya and Krishna Consciousness go well together. Lord Krishna, in his devotional form as Lord Chaitanya, is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.32 as follows with special reference to the Sankirtan Yajna. Krishna Varnam Trisa Krishnam Sangopangastra Parshadam Yadhyay Sankirtana Prayar Yajantihi Sumedasa In this age of Kali, people who are endowed with sufficient intelligence will worship the Lord who is accompanied by his associates by performance of Sankirtan Yajna. Other yajnas prescribed in the Vedic literatures are not easy to perform in this present age of Kali. But the Sankirtan Yajna is easy and sublime for all purposes, as recommended in the Bhagavad Gita also, 9.14. So, just as there are four seasons, that repeat in cycles, spring, summer, fall and winter. There are four ages in cosmic time, and they also repeat in cycles. And those four ages are Sattva Yuga, uh, Treta Yuga, Dwarpara Yuga, and Kali Yuga. Yuga means age. Uh, you could, you, we, we could say that um, Sattva Yuga was the golden age, uh, and, and now we're in Kali Yuga, that's like the Iron Age. 
And in each age, a different method of self-realization or God-realization is recommended. So in Sakri Yuga, the recommended method was meditation. In Treta Yuga, the recommended method was Vedic sacrifices. In Dwarpara Yuga, the recommended method was temple worship. But in the present age of Kali Yuga, the method that is prescribed is Sankirtan, uh, the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. And it is said that what could be achieved in Sattva Yuga by meditation, in Treta Yuga by Vedic sacrifice, in Dwarpara Yuga by temple worship, all of that can be achieved in Kali Yuga by the chanting of the holy names of Krishna. And and Krishna himself and his devotional form as Lord Chaitanya, he introduced this chanting. Of course the chanting was always there, but he showed by his own example how to chant. And there are two two types of chanting we do. One is called japa. And in Japa, one, one chants uh, quietly, uh, mainly for one's own self to hear. Uh, and in Kirtan, one chants uh, singing, uh, usually in a group with musical instruments. So, you may see devotees, they have these beads which they carry in a bag. So these beads, you have one. These beads are meant for chanting japa. And we chant the mantra on each bead. How do you say it? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Then after you've chanted one mantra on the first beat, you go on to the second beat, and you say the mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So on this strand of beads, there are 108. So when you chant 108 Maha Mantras, Maha means great, so the Hare Krishna Mantra is called the Maha Mantra, the great mantra. So when you chant 108 Mantras, that constitutes one round. And our authorities have recommended that one should fix a certain minimum number of rounds and that even if it's just one, you know, if you're just beginning, even if it's just one, and then you do that number without fail. And even then, if by chance you miss, then you make it up the next day. And in that way, you can gradually build up your spiritual strength. Like in exercise, whatever, you know, push-ups or weightlifting. You can, you start with a certain number of repetitions, which may not be that many because you're not that strong. But by practicing, you know, you can do, you can get to the stage where you can do many more push-ups or more weights. So the same with chanting, by, by starting with a certain basic minimum and completing 
that number without fail. We build up our spiritual strength and then we can increase. I mean, very, and to be a, like a officially initiated, one must come to the stage of chanting at least 16 rounds a day. But nobody, almost nobody begins from 16. They start with a, a lesser number and they gradually build up. So that's kirtan. And then, excuse me, that's japa. And then kirtan is what we did, singing with uh, musical instruments in a group. And both of those are, are very effective. And it is mentioned uh, by Lord Chaitanya, Kirtanya Sada Hari. That means one should always engage in kirtan. And Lord Krishna says the same thing in the Bhagavad Gita. Satatam kirtanam One should always engage in kirtan, the glorification of Krishna, his name. Mainly his name, it begins with his name. His name, his form, his qualities, his paraphernalia, his pastimes, his associates. And so Kirtanya Sadahari always engage in Kirtan. Satyatam Kirtan Kumam. How can we do that? doesn't seem practical for most people. Uh, so as I mentioned, we begin with a certain number of rounds and build up. But kirtan also has a broader um, definition, which I mentioned, which is glorification. And in that sense, everything we can do can be and should be for the glory of God. And that's what the verse we read just said. That, uh, in a sense, everything should be done as a sacrifice to please God and for the glory of God. And so someone, and, and it, it really depends on what you like to do. Like we, we would often tell newcomers, whatever you like to do, you do it for Krishna. So if you like to sing, you can sing for Krishna. If you like to paint, you can paint for Krishna. If you like to clean, you can clean for Krishna. If you like to cook, you can cook for Krishna. If you like to make money, you can make money for Krishna. If you like to spend money, you can spend money for Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> so, whatever you like to do, you can do it for Krishna. But we cannot whimsically do something and say we're doing it for Krishna. But we have to do it actually uh, for Krishna by knowing what Krishna wants. And again, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells us what he wants. Uh, Lord Chaitanya has told us what Krishna wants. And the, the gurus coming in the line from Krishna, they tell us what, what Krishna wants. And so we can do practically anything uh, for Krishna as an offering to Krishna. But there are certain things that are uh, 
unfavorable for Krishna consciousness. Few things, not so many, but few. And so we should at least gradually try to uh, uh, avoid those. And those are eating meat, fish, or eggs, uh, taking intoxicants, including even uh, coffee, tea, and cigarettes, uh, gambling, and engaging in illicit sex, I mean sex outside of marriage. But even if one is involved in those activities, some of those activities, if one chants, Chaito Darpana Marjanam, one's consciousness will be purified and, and one will experience a higher taste. And then one will naturally give up those things. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says um, that one may may restrain the senses but still have a taste for the objects of the senses. But if one develops a higher taste, Paramdurishvanivartan, if one develops a higher taste, then he'll automatically give up uh, pale material things. Just like, I don't know how many beggars you have here. In India, there are a lot, traditionally. So Srila Prabhupada gave the example that if a beggar or poor man if he has like a, a, a dry chapati, you know, a piece of like flat bread, dry means without butter, would be. And if you take it away from him, if you try to take it away from him, he'll protest, he'll fight, because that's all he has. But if you offer him a nice plate with nice also varieties of of uh, food and you say if, if if you if you give me your dry chapati I'll give you this nice feast then naturally he'll give up that dry chapati for the sake of something better but if you don't offer him something better he'll hold on to what he has so by experience the higher the higher taste, the, the greater happiness of Krishna consciousness and will give up, you know, pale, inferior material things. And um, it, 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 it's, it's natural. Even then, someone may um, come to a certain stage and then due to past habit or uh, bad association uh, fall into some activity that he or she has given up or is, is in the process of giving up. And that also is not uh, a, a cause of discouragement. It happens. Just uh, like a child is learning to walk, is learning to stand up, learning to walk, so a child might fall down. It's to be expected. And the child gets up and by practice will come to the stage of, of walking without falling down. And eventually can walk so naturally that doesn't even think about it. So that's, that may happen. We may make a determination, okay, from now on I'm not going to. Of course, there are the grosser things like, you know, not going to take intoxicants, I'm not going to eat meat for sure, I'm not going to um, engage in illicit sex. 
colon may fall down due to one's conditioning and, and uh, bad association. But it's okay. And you just, just pick yourself up and, and uh, you know, you should repent, you should feel sorry. And then you pick yourself up and then you, you know, you resolve to do better, try to do better. And Krishna will help. God helps those who help themselves. Um, so it's all, it's all very uh, practical and uh, pleasant, enjoyable. And as the verse said, and as Srila Prabhupada explained, that by this way of life, by Sankirtan Yogi, one gets whatever one needs to live happily in this life. And then at the end, one is liberated from the cycle of birth and death and, and returns to the spiritual kingdom of God. Back home, back to God. Thank you for all those blessings. <clears throat> so, are there any questions or comments? How does one develop a higher taste? Well, by by engaging in the process of bhakti yoga. But that's a good question because, I mean, naturally, these activities are, are uh, joyfully performed. Also say by by association. Like I, I met a man in an airline office in Colombo, Sri Lanka, and somehow we got to talking, and he was saying how. Oh, he had been an alcoholic, but he had, he had been able to overcome his alcoholism. But the biggest obstacle he faced in his effort was his old drinking buddies. They didn't want him to give up drinking. And even after he even after he gave it up, you know, he met them, they tried to, you know, um, induce him to join them for a drink or two or three. And um, you know, I think he he succumbed a couple of times. But then he learned like it's better for him to avoid their company. They're not really doing him any good. So that's a really critical decision when we uh, resolve to associate with devotees because they will encourage us on the devotional path and avoid the association of materialistic people. I mean, you, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're, you know, going to school or going to work, you can't avoid, avoid it. But that association should be, you know, just polite. But one shouldn't take their advice on how to live your life. You can be polite, you know, it happens. You're, 
your, your colleagues. Um, so yeah, it can be polite. It doesn't, in that sense, it doesn't mean that you have to run the other direction. But don't take their advice on how to live your life. They don't know how to live their own lives. That's, by definition, a non-devotee. doesn't know. Ignorant. Uh, but devotees know, and so that's a very important step to associate with devotees. And there are devotees everywhere, all different geographical locations, all different walks of life. So they can help you sort of navigate your way. But, oh, you know, I'm in this situation, and I don't want to compromise my principles, but there are these pressures on me, so how do I deal with them? And, um, yeah, so devotees can help. I mean, there's one devotee in, in Bombay He's a very uh, wealthy industrialist. And he, you know, by virtue of his position, he had to attend business meetings and conventions and hotels where they would serve drinks and meat and all sorts of things. And so in the beginning, when you know, in the beginning, he would say, "You know, I don't, I don't drink." And what's what, what's wrong with drinking? You know, what's what's wrong with a little alcohol? He said, "I don't eat meat." Oh, what's wrong with eating meat? It's good for you. So after a while, he realized that wasn't a good strategy. So he developed a different strategy. And he would, he would phone ahead and he would say, you know, this is Dr. Narendra Desai and, um, you know, I have to tell you that um, I have some terrible food allergies. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like horribly allergic to meat, fish, and eggs. And then instead of arguing, they said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, what can you have? What can we make something special for you? It was like completely different. And as far as the drinking part, he would, he would get a, uh, one of those glasses that people used to pull drinks in. And he'd put in some 7-Up. And or something and some ice cubes and he walked around with it looking like he was drinking champagne or whatever. <laughs> it was actually just seven up. But he didn't make an issue of it, you know, he just he maintained his principles um, without uh, getting into unnecessary arguments. So I mean we can all we have different situations and adopt different approaches. But yeah, we should. Um, so yes, when you're with devotees, then it's easy because they all will support you in your efforts. But when you have to interact with others, uh, which you may have to, then you have to do it in such a way that, um, you know, you keep your principles, but at the same time, you're, you're able to fulfill your obligations or duties for uh, what, what, you, what you have to do. Are there any other questions? Actually, I have a comment. Yeah. About the, uh, about the Jaffa Beats. 
I was looking at something recently about making sure to count your beads. And if I hadn't saw that, I bought a brand new Japa bag with brand new beads and it was only 106 beads. So really? now, yeah, so now I tell everybody just to make sure that, you know, just count them to make sure there's 108. <laughs> All right, that's good. <coughs> brand new beads. Uh-huh. Okay. Practical advice. Any other questions or comments? Do you have a minimum? Um, eight is where I'm, that's what I try to shoot for. Today I've done a few more, but I usually try to do at least eight. That's good. That's good, thank you. You sort of began here, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, here you were here. Uh, it was January 3rd of this yeah. year. Nice. Do you have any questions, mm -hmm. comments? Um, I just, uh, I recently just started using Joppa beads and I, um, I do one round in the morning and one at night before I go to bed. So I try and get two in every day. That's good. That's a very good program. So how long have you been doing that? Um, gosh, two weeks now? No, two weeks. <coughs> I've, I've meditated my whole life, but um, really started getting into it about eight months ago and then decided to put something to it other than just sitting still. Yeah. You know, meditation is great, but it feels like I'm, could, should be doing more. Yeah. So. What do you meditate on? Um, it's mostly to, to try and, um, because it's in the morning, um, it's usually to, to prepare myself for the day, to give myself on an even keel, to uh, awaken the senses, and and um, and now that I've incorporated the Java beads, it's it's a way of almost because I walk around the block. Um, I take my my dog around the block, and I and I meditate on them, and I almost try and think about what I have to do during the day, you know, sin meetings or people in the meetings prayers to try and get the hope that they go well so i try and be positive in my mindfulness hmm. well and i'm glad you mentioned meditate i was actually going to say it but i didn't get to come out with it but this japa or kirtan is also a type of meditation mantra meditation so that's a very important fact about the chanting that it is a type of meditation and so we it's very important to try to keep our mind fixed on the sound of the mantra then the effect is much greater i mean it's natural the mind will want to wander it's the nature of the mind but when it wanders, we should bring it back to the sound of the mind. So it really is a type of meditation. Yeah, so that's good. One in the morning, one in the evening. And increase, so of course. Mm -hmm. here just for the first or second time. Oh. What made you come the first time and what made you come back? Um Chandra. Um yeah, we visited a couple weeks ago actually just the restaurant and um, spent some time meditating in the temple afterwards and uh, I guess curiosity 
Uh -huh. Yeah. Interested in uh, yeah, exploring meditation. This is a whole new. I was brought up Catholic, so this is a whole new <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> but this, yeah, another opportunity to grow, another opportunity to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Our spiritual master, Sheila Prabhupada, used to say that, <coughs> say you're a Catholic, say you identify as being a Catholic, you can remain a Catholic or a Protestant or a Jew or whatever. And add this and become a better Catholic, a better Protestant, better whatever you are. Because the ultimate goal of every bona fide religious tradition is to develop love for God. And that's how love the Lord that God with all. So this will help you do that practically. Any other questions or comments? So, a few minutes ago I said whatever you like to do, you can do for Krishna. And there's one thing I didn't mention, but it is also applicable. You can eat for Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some food that has been prepared with loving devotion for Krishna and offered to Krishna. And now the remnants of that offering uh, are called prasad, which means literally mercy. And um, so yeah, in fact that, that, that word yogya is there in the Bhagavad Gita. That those who prepare food just for their bodily nourishment, even if it's vegetarian, but if they're just cooking for themselves, they are eating sin. That means something that takes us away from God and our true natures. But those who eat the remnants of food offered in sacrifice, that's what we're going to be doing, that's, uh, they get freed from all sins by that eating. So that's what we'll be having now, some of that prasad. So, Chandra? How do we make the transition to to honoring Prasad? Uh, Om Tatsat, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's a very concise <laughs> form of grace. Maybe so we'll be patient, so uh, we'll leave it at that. All right, thank you very much. So did they just, how do they get there, Prasad? Oh, we bring it to everyone. Oh, so, okay.